Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, one of your hosts. And joining me today is Robbie Helene. He's back. Hello everybody, it's good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. I feel like we say that a lot. I feel like I go on I know, and it's going to happen again. Hiatus. This is actually just foreshadowing. This is. is the last, this is the first time we've been together for a while, and it'll be the last time we're going to be together for a while. I don't know when the next time is that we will record a podcast together. Maybe true. Easter week? Because you're out of town, and I'm out of town, and then, yeah, and yeah. then so, Jeff gets used to being at this mic and doesn't let me back. Well, it's not just Jeff. Christoph was the last two weeks, which he did a great job. Right on, right on. He does do a good job. He does. I mean, it may or may not be some of his background in radio that makes that him extra awesome <laughs> It at definitely that. helps. It definitely helps. doesn't hurt. It's so sure. funny, though. He does not get nearly as flustered by me behind the microphone as that's he does like, just That's part of that professionalism. Oh, that's true. Oh, okay. So when he when he gets his game face on, yeah, when the mic's hot, then my he's, Tom he's all business. Does not, yeah, it does not. It doesn't. It doesn't rattle him at all. That's interesting. He just. He I just feel goes. more flustered. Right. That's what's so weird. You're not flustered by me in the wild. You're not flustered by me at all. No, no, no. But here in, in you captivity, are. when I'm in kept captivity. behind the mic, the pressure's on, and yeah. I'm easily flustered. So Christoph does better in captivity. Like he's he's good under pressure that way, and <laughs> you just like I don't know. So anyway, I crack under the pressure. So yeah, you're back. Uh, you went warm places, which is great. Which was which was great. And then you came back to freezing rain and snow and slush. yes. Now I am I am not down on Wisconsin, but I did find that it was it was uh, delightful, de- delightfully ironic that we left our warm tropical climate, and the last day when we flew home, it was like pouring rain. It was you know, overcast, mm-hmm. miserable, just pouring rain. So we felt like, hey, this is this is kind of awesome. Like you want the day that you leave to right. be the horrible day because you feel like, great, now I'm yeah. leaving this miserable nonsense and going back home. Yeah. And then we flew home, and when we get off the plane in Wisconsin, somehow Wisconsin managed to have even more horrible weather. <laughs> the The rain was freezing, and the fog was like bonkers thick, and it was just like, well, this managed to somehow be worse. But, but I mean, still glad to that's be home. March. We that is March. we have a tendency to leave during the best weather of, that Wisconsin really? has. Really? Yeah, I don't know why that's we do bad that. timing. We wait. You we do we that. go on. We go way too late in the spring. Okay, and then we go way too early in the fall you miss like when everything blooms you take off and then you come back pretty much uh, yeah i don't know what our deal is but whatever that is not what we're talking about today uh so last weekend you guys all stuck me with you know i feel like i get a bad rap because every time (laughs) you guys well every time you guys have a hard topic you get up there and you're like whoa jay didn't want to preach this one and then that's right nobody mentions the fact that i get axe five I get Ananias and Sapphira, which I really, I mean, it's a great passage. I, I'm not complaining about preaching it, but I mean, come on. Somebody gets points for that. You get you, you get points. Points like, awarded. I mean, the lottery of all those ones. I mean, I feel like that one, I mean, Stephen being martyred is, you know, is a tough one. But it's also a beautiful passage. And so this one is. It is. that I feel like that is a very different passage to preach because well, there it's, yeah. yeah, there you've got, you've got faithful faithful saint is doing the right thing and the bad guys get him. This yep. one is husband and wife make one one bad choice and instantly killed. That's, yeah. a, that's a toughie. That's a hard passage to to walk through, especially if that's like, hey, I'm, you're visiting this weekend. Welcome. Sin once, instant death. So right. That's, that, right. Feels, that feels a little heavy. I know, and the odds, because we did have a lot of new people. We had a significant <laughs> yeah, number yes, of new did. people on Sunday, and I thought... Uh, Okay, this is quite the one to just wal- waltz into. We did have a question 
though. I'm just realizing now. So I'm going to hit those. on on the fly, like just no no prep time. Okay, but you the, preached, so you have to answer it. Well, yeah, but I didn't preach on this. So oh. the the question was, I mean, it's kind of a twofold question. One, there is debate over are were Ananias and Sapphira actually believers? Was was their disobedience? So you know, if you look in Acts five, Ananias and Sapphira, they like other people had done. It's, there's this interesting contrast, right? Because I, I, like I touched on, Barnabas had just they just mentioned how Barnabas did the exact same thing that Ananias and Sapphira did, which, you know, one point that easily we, we can take from that is just mimicking and doing the right things or doing the things that other people are doing is not, is not the thing. So clearly we got heart issues going on here. Um, but the question is, did they, um, were they actually believers or were they not? And was the, was their death a condemnation of them or a almost a like a John nine kind of a thing where, you know, did who sinned this man or his parents? No one, but that the works of God may be done through him. And he may be that, that God may be glorified. Was it kind of a, a interesting twist on that idea that God's just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to bring my children home and I'm going to make, set this example for the church. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great question. I think I, I love that whoever asked that is thinking through, thinking through the passage and, um, what, what I love about that is uh, while it's a, we certainly can't answer number one. I don't know for sure. Scripture doesn't say explicitly, right. like, doesn't. are they redeemed? Are they believers? Are they not? We don't know. Um, it it is interesting to think if they if they were, like, that that actually feels a little bit better, doesn't it? Because it's like, okay, God has to punish this sin. However, you're also being welcomed into eternal glory. So, right, win some, lose some, um, mostly win some in that scenario. Um, if they're not, that feels like that that that's a big deal. Um, I I don't know if it's helpful or not, but I I uh, someone way smarter than me once pointed out the parallels to this and Achan in Exodus, Achan and his family, mm-hmm. and how there you have the law is get like the people of God are gathered, the law is given, this kind of new system of life in God is established, and the first person who like really violates that he and his family are wiped out and then you have the new testament the new covenant and this family of god is drawn together and kind of this new way of life in god is established and then the first person who grossly violates that he and his well we we don't know but at least he and his wife are 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 struck dead and so the, the parallel that this person drew was uh like is to into the questioner's point is their death a condemnation of them or of sin well yes i mean both both and um like god is has established this covenant and then is giving a picture of the seriousness of this covenant to say this is what justice in this covenant actually looks like and all the rest of you are getting mercy so this person actually you know this family actually gets the right. fair treatment in this the just punishment but that everybody else subsequently doesn't instantly die when they sin everybody else 
Now, after seeing this example, God's like, okay, this is how serious this is, this thing that I have just initiated. So this is how seriously you need to take this, but but I don't treat this in the same way moving forward. What do you, what do you think about that? No, I think it's, it's true, and I think you should have preached the passage because I knew that mm. you were interested in making that connection, and I just, I just ignored that completely. It <laughs> didn't... <laughs> <laughs> didn't go there at all. So, um, no, I think, okay, so one part in there that I think is so important for us, it's such a simple concept, but yes, what we deserve is God's justice. And and we've said that before, the idea that people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? And the real question, if we had eyes to see, is why does so much mercy and common grace happen for evil people? Right. Because it's not even, it's not even when I'm, you know, abiding in Christ. It's not even just for Christians. I mean, there is grace and mercy, common grace over all of God's creation where God is constantly withholding justice. It's the classic example of when the kid, when you only get caught doing something in school and if your defense is, yeah, but you know, Robbie did it too. Like it's not like, it's not fair. I was doing, everybody else was doing the same thing and I'm the only one that got punished. Well, Technically, what we'd say is no. Look, what the the unfair part of it is that those people got away and they didn't. Right. They right. didn't actually receive the punishment. What you got was actually fair. That's right. My punishment is absolutely one hundred percent fair. Right. The, or like a speeding ticket. Mercy. Like we do that every time. You <laughs> right. get pulled over for speeding, and you say, "Well, usually you get a warning, or usually you allow whatever you know." But if you get if you're speeding, if you're going two miles an hour over the limit, and a police officer pulls you over and gives you a ticket. It is completely just and completely right. fair. Because I have exceeded the limit. It's right. objective. I have violated the law. Right. But what makes it feel unfair is that normally police officers, the, the norm is that there is a lot of grace about that. And so it's yeah. because you're comparing it to the grace-filled example that is the norm. So it's the norm. The fact that you know billions of people right now on planet Earth who are actively rebelling against God in in all kinds of different ways, leading to the destruction of all his creation, and they're breathing their next breath is a constant act of mercy. Yeah. It's a constant withholding of judgment and justice. And then when something goes awry or when something feel it's it's only in contrast to that extravagant mercy that it feels unfair, but it's it's not. And so yeah, it is it's a hard thing to look at with Ananias and Sapphira that what you're actually seeing is this glimpse of this is what justice actually this looks is like. Fair. This is like, what this fairness is, looks right. like. Yeah. And um so yeah, I do I do think that, which is why I spent time talking about um the seriousness of sin. Yeah. Because it's easy to look at something like that and say that didn't seem like that big of a deal. You know, like they just right. They just, you know, a little white light in the in the midst of doing something good that right. most people would see as good like they gave they didn't they didn't have to sell it. peter says that you didn't have to sell it right and if you sold it you didn't have to give all of it so so what the act that they actually did was in and of itself was fine and was good yeah. like could have been a great thing but it wasn't because the sin was at, at, at a heart level yeah. and so i think so i think for a lot of people you look at that and you say man it just seems like their sin was so small. Um, like in the midst of trying to do something good, they messed up and 
hmm. the penalty is death. You know, it's not like like you'd almost yeah. expect it to be that they robbed the the till, you know, or that they took that they embezzled from some lady, that they stole property from someone and then sold it and then kept, you know, something like that. Then you'd say like, oh my gosh, look at all the evil in that. But this one. That's, that's interesting. I don't know if this is a, uh, this might not be a helpful door to open, but as you're saying like, oh, they just kind of like made this mistake. Like is, do we ever accidentally stumble into uh, self-glorifying deception? (laughs) <laughs> like that i mean isn't at a I mean, conscious level i think so i but i don't think that absolves us yeah because we're bent towards that it's fair so i don't think i don't think i i don't think i'm always consciously making i don't think most of us go through our day and when we react to somebody at the grocery store that we are consciously thinking i'm going to exalt myself right now like i am making a choice to not exalt god i'm exalting myself that's it's so subtle. That's true. But I mean, they make a point like this is premeditated. Like they thought through this. Like, so this isn't just a reaction yeah. or a response. Like Peter makes no, no, the no, point but... of like, you planned to deceive the Holy Spirit. Right. And so here's the question. And I think it's a legitimate question. Where, what did, what does that mean? Which part of it? Because I do like, I, I, one thing I left out of the sermon was I kind of went through a, a thought process for them. Like, what does that look like to think through this, to do that yeah. exactly that, to say, this is what we're going to do. And I could imagine a scenario where they look at what Barnabas did and then they say, you know, we should do something like that. But all of a sudden the desire of like, well, but this is my property. And so do I really, do I have to give all of it? Um, you know, we're doing this great thing by selling it. So I don't yeah. have to give all of it. And, you know, but people are going to judge that they're going to, they're going to compare us to Barnabas. And so it's none of their business how much we actually gave. So we'll just say that we're, We'll just say that we're gonna that we're giving it all, but it's yeah. because they don't really need to know what we what we made or whatever. That's my own business. And I just was like I I yeah. worded it better in that, but I was trying to present something that showed how we all how like at basically at every point of decision, I was trying to illustrate the idea that at every point of decision to get to that place would be understandable. Yeah. yeah. That you could say um, well, I can't, I can't give like Barnabas Barnabas, like he's, you know, he doesn't have as big of a family or he doesn't have anybody that's dependent yeah. on him there. He's not on a fixed income or he's not like, there's all kinds of things that we could compare ourselves to others. And then at this point say like, well, so then it's okay for me to do this and it's okay. But you get to this place where you make this decision to do this thing. Um, and so, but the, the whole thing has been deceiving the Holy spirit, but it just feels so right. subtle. Yeah. And I've, yeah. and I've made a dozen uh, self-justification based decisions in order to arrive at that. So because I have, I have justified myself so many times because like you said, like, well, I can't because of this, or I shouldn't because of this, or they just don't understand my situation. All those, the ways that we self-justify, then yeah, I can see how you end up convincing yourself by the time you get to that final decision, you go, well, this is a, this is a good and right decision because you've already kind of deceived yourself so many times up to that point you've talked yourself into it and 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 the point that i was really trying to land on and and that is where i ended up jumping back on the train was they just the one thing they didn't do probably during that whole time was ask the holy spirit right right so at they what they were doing and so this is what i think is a really critical thing i, I again i wish i'd had i wish i'd had three sermons on this passage mm. um 
But I think a really critical thing is that we we so often make decisions about what what obedience to Jesus looks like. We make those decisions based on comparing ourselves to others, using our own rational mind to compare biblical principles and then to contextualize it into my own life, which neither of those things are evil in and of themselves. But the piece that we do the least is really try to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and to be able to say, you know what? I'm, I'm supposed to give more. I don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about what that person's doing. I'm not worried about what will look in this, you know, look this way or either way. It happens sometimes when people get asked to volunteer and some people are wired to justify why they don't have to volunteer because I, you know, I did this, I give time over here. Other people have more time than I do. And so I shouldn't have to do that. And that's one way to not listen to the Holy, to avoid listening to the Holy spirit, to do what you think you, what you want to do. But the other way is the reverse. When somebody says like, if you feel like, man, I, I feel like I shouldn't say yes to this because I'm supposed to be doing these other things, but, but then I'm going to look like I don't care about this or, or, now that ministry leader is going to be disappointed in me or whatever the case. And yeah. so I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it because it's just easier. And then you end up missing the better thing, the thing That's that right. you, God will actually wanted you to be a part of and do because you're doing the thing that, that will look the best. And it's just so subtle and it happens so frequently that I, I think we don't always notice it. So that's a long winded way of getting back yeah. around to, I don't know when, when Peter says you planned this, is it, is it just the fruit of self-glorification that was the plan or was it that they, that they set out to like, we're going to deceive, we're, we're intentionally making this choice to deceive the Holy spirit to like, see if we can call his bluff. Like, I don't, I don't know what the end of that is. If you, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that. I think, I think the first one makes more sense. There's either, there's either self-justification or self-glorification. Right. Right. So either I have made this decision because I have come up with enough excuses that I can feel good and actually believe that this is a genuine, sincere decision or, uh, or, I'm saying I want to, I want to look as good as Barnabas. I want people to think of me the way they think of Barnabas, or I want them right. to think I'm even better than this guy. So I am going to lie. And who's going to know, right? Because right. like nobody knows what's actually going on inside me. And then you've got the guy right. look you right in the face and say you're lying right now. Like, can you even imagine that moment of the re- the revelation of? Uh, did you really think that the Holy Spirit of the Living God of the Universe did not know what was going on in your heart? Like yeah. that, and then can you imagine everyone else who's watching this happen and go, oh, wait, he knows what I'm thinking right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to be because it's not like they're the only ones who, in that moment, were having a self-glorifying or self-justifying thought. Right? Like, no. like everyone who's watching this go down is like, oh my goodness! Like, and and what a shift in uh, you know I love that you you brought us back to that that that's essential concept of understanding the enormity of our sin helps us understand the enormity of the gospel right like how huge was the gospel for everyone else watching that in that moment for everyone else to say to to feel this overwhelming sense of i was probably thinking like i may have been i may be holding my money bag right with the plan to do the exact same mm-hmm. thing and i am not dead like you how overwhelmed are you by the grace of god and the gospel in that moment and Coming back to the, you know, the person, whoever this person was that asked the question, like, 
Like, was there, was there death to communicate something greater about what God is doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do think in a passage like this, one of the things that is important is we, we, need, to, we need to be okay with being uncomfortable. Yes. Like we need to let we need to let scripture speak to itself. The the reason why and we've talked about this before with other hard passages, but the reason why it the Bible doesn't say whether Ananias and Sapphira went to be with Jesus or went to everlasting judgment is because we're we're not supposed to know. I mean, it's not right. it's not the point. It's not essential. It's not, yeah. it's not essential. Um We'll obviously know at some point, mm-hmm. but but that's not that means that that's not the point. And I think when we do, and and I see this all the time in the Old Testament and 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 other passages in the New Testament, where if we find ourselves trying to explain why it can't mean like it yeah. can't mean what it actually says, or trying uh, emphasizing the silence of what's going on rather than what's actually happening. Um, you know, that we try to explain like, well, it couldn't have been this, you know, for this reason, like, like we do with the money thing. I really do think that that is, that is, I think that is revealing of just how deeply ingrained the love of money is in our culture that we would just so immediately like, well, it can't be about, it can't be about what they gave. Like it can't have anything to do. It can't have anything to do with the money, the money piece, because I don't want it to have anything to do with the money piece. Um, and, and we tend to do that or in this, like we, it can't be that God condemned that like, well, yes, it can. Hmm. But if it pushes against our, our constructed ideas of who God is or pushes against our ability to understand the mind of God, then we, we, we are very quick to want to try to be kind of God's PR man or to mm. fill in the blank with some things to make us feel better about the passage. But we have to understand that a lot of uncomfortable passages are in scripture to make us uncomfortable. And if we come up with some interpretation or spin or explanation that takes away that discomfort, yeah, then we miss out on what I think what God is actually trying to do in mm. this, right? Because there's a lot of ways that you can you can remove the discomfort from this passage, right? I can I can easily yes. categorize them as well. Obviously, they were unsaved and they were totally diabolical, and so I mean it's a good thing yeah. I don't ever have to worry about that. Which then leads me down the trajectory of so luckily I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm being self righteous or uh, or self glorifying like they were because you know. Well, I'm saved, so that's not going to happen to me, and and I end up shrinking the gospel right. rather than rather than allowing that to to shine a spotlight on the corrosiveness mm-hmm. of my sin, and saying I'm I am much more like them than I am unlike them. I I I do what they're doing far more frequently than they ever had a chance to do, and yet I'm still I'm still walking this earth. Uh, that is that is an extraordinary example of God's grace and his and his unnecessary undeserved kindness. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting you point out that that we are much more like them than we are unlike them. It I don't know if I can say this succinctly so I'll try. But it's a psychological phenomenon that when you read of something tragic happening to someone that our brain immediately um tries to create distance 
with the with the victim of that to say to either say like well they made they made a dumb choice or they made like there was a tragic story recently of a guy that was mauled by a grizzly Mm. in yellowstone going on a backpacking Mm. trip with his buddy and um and immediately like i know of this phenomenon i see it all the time you hear something like that and you immediately want to find how you're different from them Mm. to convince yourself that that won't happen to me it's mm. a it's a defense mechanism like you know if i if i yeah. see myself it's like why why it's so terrifying to see you know if somebody dies of some kind of illness and they're the exact same age as you that's a terrifying thing because yeah. you're like but and i quickly got to figure out like well did we have different exercise patterns did we have different like yeah. what what yeah. what choice did they make mm. that created the situation for them and i need to be able to distance myself from that and and say like well I'm okay because I don't make those mm. decisions which is what you're talking about with the Ananias and Sapphira if I can say they weren't believers or that they were like somehow more evil or or something else was going on there then I distance myself and say well so I'm not them but those kinds of stories in scripture are meant for us to say I'm exactly like them that's exactly right but for the grace of God, right. like that's that's my hope. My hope isn't that I'm smarter than them, or I'm more I have more common sense or wisdom than them, or that I have better habits than them, or that any of those things. Like our hope is never in that. We are never to read any warning in Scripture and say like, well, I'm a, like the comfort there is I'm okay because I'm a better person or I'm smarter or I'm whatever. Like mm. the whole point is you are just like them. Yeah, that's why we need the cross. That's it points us to like, that's your protection. That's your distancing. That's your defense. That's your refuge is in is supposed to be in Christ, not in my own um, belief that I will make better decisions or Mm. does that make sense? Yeah. And my my brain's going five different directions with that illustration and how many different ways the the grizzly bear illustration can well that's what, so i started into yeah i started to say like i sacrifice for well us. oh yeah well yeah and i i started sorry to cut you off there but i didn't finish that thought which was one of the things the guy did was he went off the trail to look for antlers and before i could even stop it in my yeah. brain i thought well yeah i would never do that right that was ridiculous yeah. why would you why would you go off trail and get separated he got separated from his friend and ended up off trail somewhere else looking for antlers, and that's when he had the encounter. As if, right? As if the grizzly was looking at it and going, "Hey, as long as you're on the trail, right? We were totally right. good, yeah." But you came into my territory, like we have an agreement. Like, no, of course not. But but before I could even stop it, the thought was, "Yeah, yeah well, I'm smarter than that," and right. I immediately confront that and go, "Oh my goodness, look at that! Look how." Look how immediate it is. Happened all the time with COVID or any kind of illness or whatever. Like, there's just the idea. Like, oh yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done that. And so, yeah, it's such an it's such an easy defense because it's 100% imaginary, right? Because you have absolutely no idea what you would do in that mm-hmm. scenario. And it's not like I mean, people who go hiking on trails. Part of the fun is going off the trail, so you can get that cool picture, or you see that amazing tree, or you see that flower, or you see whatever. Like that's part of the f- fun of hiking. So, right. like. It is. I mean, if if the guy's walking around with a with a bag full of fresh salmon hanging over his back, or he's you know yes. po- poking a a bear cub with a stick, well, then you go, all right, that was pretty unwise. Yes. I'm probably not going to carry a sack full of fresh salmon through the woods, uh, riddled with bears. Um, but pretty, the reality is, he probably did 
exactly everything that you and I would have done in order to be properly prepared to go for this hike. If and not more. If not if not more, right. right. He's probably much better at this than you and I are. And uh and yet and and w- how different would it be if I if instead I looked at that and thought, "Oh my goodness, how many times have I been on a hike and I had no idea that like yeah. three trees away was Yep. A mountain lion, like right. something that could have just taken me out in an instant, and I had no idea that it was that. The, by the grace of God, he stayed that that beast and allowed me to just continue on and take my selfies in the woods. Um, but, we, but you're right; we don't think that way. We think, how how am I better than this person? And and man, we just we just miss out on so much of the glory of the gospel in that Jesus gets so tiny and the gospel gets so tiny and so underwhelming. And I just, I end up suffering, uh, because of that, because I don't, I don't get to enjoy all of the immeasurable fullness that the gospel is. Yeah. I mean, it comes back to so often I just, I want to be in control. I want to feel like I have control, whether it's control over my circumstances or, um, control over, Wait, why are you showing me notes? Oh, come on, man. I knew I had to do that. <laughs> Robbie's showing never. me, like, you got four minutes. Cause you're, <laughs> um, but I want to be in control over my circumstances. I want to be control, in control over my fate. I want to be in, and then I want to be in control over my justification. Yes, absolutely. And so that's where it ends up coming down to, and that's the insidiousness of it and why I wanted to spend time talking about, no, like, let yourself, it's this strange upside-down kingdom way that it's only in seeing the depravity of my own sin and how evil the sin is in me that I can fully embrace and, and receive yeah. all the blessing of the cross and of the, my redemption. Yeah. If I try to be in control of that, that's when I go into self-justification. That's when I want to say like, oh, my sin isn't as bad as, as those over there. Or I wouldn't do that. All those things are attempts to tell God, no, I, I've got, I've got most of this. I might need yeah. a little bit of your help here at the end. Like, cause you know, Hey, nobody's perfect. And I, you know, we all, we all need a little bit of help at some time. Mm. But what we do when we do that is we just completely rob ourselves of the joy of our redemption and the power to actually live new lives. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. I mean that, then that ultimately Ananias and Sapphira, regardless of what their current state is, at the very least, they they missed out on just fully embracing. Um, you know, imagine if they would have said to Peter, um, "Yeah, hey, we we sold this, but we we feel like we're only supposed to give like fifty percent of it. So here's fifty percent of the proceeds." Yeah, um, that's a scary thing to say. I, I believe this is what the Holy Spirit's asking me to do, and I'm trying to be obedient to Him. And there would have been people in that crowd that would have been like, "Barnabas gave more," right, and Okay, but meanwhile but, you got Zacchaeus back in the crowd going, "Yeah, buddy, right, join you the fifty percent crowd." Right, like, that's right. You got <laughs> there are people, but the thing is, is that ultimately this is where it all comes back to. Then, am I submitted to the Holy Spirit or yeah. am I submitted to men? Because yeah. ultimately, when we find out when I'm trying to take control, I actually lose that because I'm at the whim of the culture and the people around me. It's so much better to be honest with the Holy Spirit and listen to him and trust him because he, because he loves you and he is yeah. gracious and patient and kind and powerful. And, and that's a way better, that's a way better place to um, kind of, to, to be walking 
in obedience, uh, out of a desire to just abide in him rather than trying to look like something, Yeah, you know, Dude, that's good. And that's, and that's one of the things we, 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 we brought that up quite a bit over the last couple of months, the, the importance of listening to the Holy spirit. And we want to always acknowledge, um, that's, that can be difficult to do. Like that's, that takes practice, uh, in being able to discern his voice as distinct from just my own inner monologue, uh, or the voices of, of people around us that have kind of gotten implanted in our heads and our imaginations and, and even into our hearts. And so we need help with that. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, uh, that's great. I just, I, I want that. I just don't know how to do that. Then we're here to help with that. We want to, uh, either, either ask the people that you're in community with to help you with that or, or come and ask us. And, and we would love to help walk you through like, how do you, how do you discern when it is the spirit's voice and just your own, sense of self-justification when when are we uh kind of putting a god decal on like well i think god's telling me to do this when it really isn't him at all and when am i completely ignoring what he's telling me to say and do um we we need one another to help sometimes discern that voice and we want to help you do that so i'm gonna jump in here do it yeah because you just said that's a really important point the putting the God decal on things like as we're talking more about listening to the Holy spirit and discerning the Holy spirit, it's okay to say, I don't, I'm not hearing anything right now. I don't, I, right. I don't know what God is asking me to do. And so I am relying on the wisdom. I asked for wisdom and this is what seems to make sense. I'm doing this in faith. So whatever you do, do it in yeah. faith. Don't do it like, um, turning away from the Holy spirit and not asking, but that'll protect you from, um, you know, if you do believe the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, by all means, do it. And if you don't, and if you're not hearing, then ask for prayer and ask for help and ask for discernment and wisdom, and then step out in faith and do what what you believe is the faithful thing to do. And that's okay. That's okay, too. Like, I don't, you know, you and I would say that, like, it's not every day or every hour that I have a, like a clear impression from the Holy Spirit yeah. to say, go right. talk to that person. Sometimes right. I just go talk to somebody because I'm like, that's what seemed to make sense in the moment and and just let it be what it is and then trust and listen along the way. There you go. That was, that was my jump in. Good jump in. Strong jump in. Strong finish. Land that plane. We love you, church. Thank you for listening in. We, uh, we want to be praying for you, be praying with you, and be helping you uh, as we follow Jesus together. So please don't hesitate to reach out if we can help you do that. And in the meantime, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.